Metal episode 47. I'm joined by my regular co-host Rob and my girlfriend Mel, who you may remember from the Bloodstock episode. We're going to be doing something a bit out of, well, yeah, a bit different to usual here. We're going to be not really introducing any bands or playing any new music stuff for this episode. This is going to be a short, like, discussion one, because we've all come to the point with a couple of things that happened recently or have been happening over the last few years, where we want to get into the idea of separating the artist from the art and kind of drawing our personal line on, like, what point a band stops being something you can be into. But we're not going to be setting down, like, rules where we're, like, this is what you should follow. It's just our, our personal kind of opinions on that. Also, we're probably going to try and steer clear of calling out too many individuals for shit. But there's some stuff that's been in the news recently that obviously mm-hmm. we'll get into. So the kind of catalyst for us wanting to do this was... Um, Obviously, recently there's been news about Vector Singer being quite abusive to his partner, which has kind of put quite a negative slant on an album me and Rob back in the 2016 show were hugely mm. fond of. Um, and yes, yeah, so we just wanted to kind of discuss the idea of at what point we'd stop listening to that kind of band. So, like, yeah, Rob, what was your kind of take on that when when that news broke? Have you listened to Vector since? No. Um, and actually, you know, around that time, uh, Terminal Reader had been in sort of like regular rotation. I was listening to it again um, and that put a massive downer on it. And I do- it's, it's one of those things that's really difficult because the music hasn't changed. Like it's not in any way different, but your perception of it is. Uh, and I think it's it is very difficult to ignore that if you care about the things that these people have been doing and the effect that that has. You know, music is a form of art and a form of expression and people naturally put the things that they think about into their music in some way. Their personality is evident in their music, particularly if they're a large part of it and part of the songwriting and the people who've constructed the band, as in the case with Vector. Um, And I think the worst thing about it is some of the other performances on that album. If you think about the drums on Terminal Radio, that is one of the best examples of thrash metal drumming ever. It's phenomenal. And it's such a shame that those other performances have now gone down in my estimation. Or not gone down, they haven't changed. It's just I'm not going to listen to them for ages because it reminds me of... It makes you feel like you're somehow complicit in something horrible. Yeah, yeah. So you were saying, Mel, that you, you'd seen... Like, you were kind of happy that Vector had broken up in some ways because yeah. they were unable to tarnish their yeah, legacy. I remember I said that. It was like, well, now that they've broken up, at least they can't release anything that, that would sort of retrospectively make their previous album seem worse. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, I, I was actually listening to it on the day I found out. And I, I still think it's probably one of my favourite albums of all time. But it's sort of stuck as a sort of fixed memory and the, and the memory of seeing them live as well it was one of the best live shows I've ever seen they, they all seemed so enthusiastic and everyone just seemed so happy to be there um, but my, my reasons for not listening to them since are sort of much more pragmatic in the sense that I feel like as soon as I listen to it I'm going to sort of reactivate the latent memory and lower my impression of the of the music whereas maybe if I listen to it in you know two or three years time I'll be able to sort of not necessarily forget about what happened but like view it without the sort of emotional context that I'm feeling at the moment I think I think that's a big part of it actually is that time and I make a sort of connection to films here because like musicians there's a bunch of actors who've done terrible shit which is coming out recently as well so um the Edgar Wright film Baby Driver was released a few years ago and I saw it in the cinema then and I loved it it's an amazing it's got fantastic car chases and amazing like musical sequences in it um but then all the shit around Kevin Spacey came out after that 
Uh, I haven't watched it since, and I probably won't for quite a few years. But, you know, a couple of months ago, we watched the film Moon, which Kevin Spacey is in, yep. and it didn't really bother me that much. So I think there's something about the rawness of it, which in time... I don't know if this is necessarily right, but you can divorce it somewhat from that emotional context and enjoy it for what it is, because it is like a piece of art which exists, and it what has happened doesn't make these things any worse. Um, and I guess something that, Mel, you, you were talking about just before the episode is the idea that that album, Terminal Radio, is not promoting anything. You know, if you've already got a copy of it and it's just sitting on your iPod, you're not actively harming anyone by listening to it. You're not endorsing anyone's ideas. I guess it's different if you're talking about the album and, you know, if you're reviewing the album or something, that's different. So I'm kind of glad we already did that. Yeah, Um, yeah. (laughs) We already talked about it, you know, and said all the things that were great about it. And none of those things have changed. It's just the context of the album outside of the music has changed. I think there's an interesting point, though, where you bring up with Kevin Spacey, like, his effect of, like, because, yeah, he did some really shitty things and I genuinely hate the guy now. But a, the thing with films is, the amount of people involved in a film, it seems unfair to almost tarnish that by one actor. Because yeah. although Kevin Spacey is obviously a big, important part of a lot of the movies he made really good, in a film, there's like 200 to 1,000 people involved. Yeah. There's some guy who did an incredible job of the lighting, yeah. who <laughs> put in as much time and effort, like all those people who spent ages on the script or on the editing mm. or the directing. And because with movies, like actors are so much the face of them, be, like where people actually follow like films an actor is in, but yeah. not necessarily the writer or director. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a strange imbalance of power. Whereas with Vector, you do have that thing of Dave has claimed he wrote everything, and the albums are entirely him. Mm. He claimed that after the other band <laughs> members left and wouldn't disclose why they'd left, though. Yeah, and it, it is that kind of thing of I don't entirely believe he he has as much of a hold over that album because actually. Again, with that, that particular Vector album, there is more than four people involved in making it great. Yeah. There is a brilliant artist who did the cover. Yeah, that album yeah, wouldn't be as amazing. good without that beautiful cover. The recording is excellent. Mm. Like, all the guys behind them in the studio did some really good stuff with it. And then you've got three additional musicians. Yeah, yeah. Can you really accept that all that is ruined because the kind of band leader... It's such yeah. an arsehole. Yeah, I'm also going to say there's there's no way he wrote those drum patterns unless he's secretly a phenomenal drummer because that's not something you just write like that. It, it smacks like that at the time kind of smacked of a lie of him sort of being like, oh, these these guys' involvement wasn't that big. It's like yeah. you had three guys in the band for I think other than the bass player, they're all on all the albums. Mm. There's no way that wasn't a slightly collaborative effort. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I refuse to believe that. Personally, with the Vector album was. Because, as you know, I'm doing like this series of shows where I'm going back to each year of the decade, going back over stuff. I've, in fact, already had a Vector album in one of those countdowns. Mm. What I basically decided to do with Terminal Redux, and I don't know, as listeners, whether you'll hate this idea or not, basically let me know. Because Terminal Redux is slightly spoiled by this news, mm. I still love it. I think what I'm actually practically going to do is probably just shelf it until next year, and then I'll dig it out yeah. again and probably be all right with it. Mm. But in terms of those best of shows, 
it's got a little worse. And in my head, I'm like, well, essentially, has it dropped places in the listing yeah. because he did something shit? And that's yeah. just such a stupid idea. What I've decided to do is I'm just not going to mention it in the 2016 show. I'm not going to include it in something that probably would have been the number one album of 2016. Yeah. But I think I'll just put that to one side because I'm not, <laughs> in two months' time, venerating that album just because I can't, I can't do that, like... It'd feel too weird to do. Yeah, it's it's that emotional context of it. And um there's a thing as well as then you do you start then looking at other albums that are in that list, digging around in other people's, you know, histories and finding, well this person this person is good, they haven't done anything bad, or they've done actively good things. Does that now rank an album up and make it better? Um, and like, where do you draw that line of thinking what people have done and what they haven't? Because there are almost certainly loads of bands that we all listen to who have people who've done really shitty things in them. It's got to the um, point, especially with, with black metal and all of the NSBN stuff as well, where, where whenever I become aware of a new black metal band, I have to look up whether they have any associations with, with NSBM now. But like, maybe I should, like, why am I only doing that for black metal? Should, yeah. I, should I be just checking out everyone from every band? Yeah, I, I think there's an idea of the responsibility there to know anything about the artist. Because for the most part, I won't really look up people involved in a project. Mm. Unless kind of, we do a lot more when we're, we're sort of doing these podcasts where we go into an album in a bit more detail. But a lot of the stuff I listen to, I can tell you the name of anyone involved. And it, yeah. it's that kind of thing of, is there any responsibility to know? Because particularly with me and you doing the podcast regularly, Rob, we're regularly promoting stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do we have a responsibility to know whether these people are shitheads or not? Or is it something we should just ignore? I think there's definitely a degree of it, particularly, you know, as we take the time to look into the bands, knowing something about the people who are involved. I mean, there's a practical limitation of, you know, with small bands, how on earth are you going to find out some yeah. of those things? And particularly if we're thinking about black metal bands, you know, going under pseudonyms and all that sort of stuff, there's no way you can work this out a lot of the time. And there's obviously loads of high profile cases of like people, particularly in black metal, who have terrible views and in lots of cases actively espouse them in the music or outside of it or a combination of that and in other areas of metal as well obviously black metal is quite notorious for it but it happens elsewhere um so i guess it's it's part of the research process like i think but then i think when i do research i don't look into every single member of the band in lots of detail yeah yeah you know, there are certain members who if we're covering something like i don't know yob um I'd look into a lot of stuff about Mike Scheidt. I'd listen to some of the podcasts that they're on. Um, but, you know, I don't always do loads of research into the bass player or the bass player's <laughs> history, you know, yeah, that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah. I'll often watch interviews with them about their music and that sort of thing. But unless they're actively bringing it up, I mean, they could have secretly terrible views or secretly have done awful things. And I think it's hard to know. But I think there's definitely a level of responsibility to know about stuff if it's out there. Yeah, there's stuff as well. It's, it's quite interesting. With so there's been a lot of backlash against Vector, and a lot of people are like, you know, ditching their albums. Mm. Personally, I've ditched my t-shirts purely because I don't want to walk into a pub with their t-shirt and have the conversation of, "Am I in the band where the guy beats his wife?" Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's just too awkward. So yeah. I'm not yeah. going to be wearing those anymore. And that's a sort of active endorsement when you're going outside wearing a band t-shirt. You're essentially, you know, representing them to the world and saying, "This is good. You should buy some of it." So, I, yeah, I totally get that. It's like, you know, I wouldn't wear a Burzum shirt. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to Burzum either, but... Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's, I, that's a very complicated one. <laughs> very true. I think there's also, though, with this particular one, like the domestic violence thing is an interesting sort of talking point because there's a lot of really famous bands where 
we know of there being like a sort of history of domestic violence. Like, yeah. I hope I'm not wrong on this, but I think James Brown definitely got in trouble for that in the past. Mm. But I think with him, it's like, well, he's, he's now dead and it's long enough past. I'd have no issue listening to his music. Similarly, I've always said like one of my favourite guitar uh, guitar solos of all time is Funkadelic's Maggot Brain, which mm. is an incredible thing. The guy went to prison for domestic violence. Like yeah. he he wasn't a good dude. But with the the distance of that that came out in 1970, with the distance of 50 years, mm. it doesn't bother me. But with kind of stuff like this, where they still seem kind of active, yeah, then I, I suddenly. Then I'm suddenly put off. The thing with Vector, though, they're not active. And, like, I, I, everything that he had said since, I'd been ignoring because I didn't consider him to be the band anymore. Yeah, without, um, so sort of Blake Anderson, etc. being involved, it's quite a change. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I guess there's that worry that someone is still part of the scene. And, like, you know, you could, yeah. you could just start up a new band go back to playing shows and make loads of money. And despite having been revealed that this person does has done terrible, horrible things, they're still venerated and people still support them. I guess that's the worry, is that at the moment that's not a problem and people are basically just saying, oh, this guy's a shithead. But what if it's revealed that someone has done awful stuff and they still get loads of money and support from the scene, which, you know, isn't really okay. I suppose with, you know, our artists who are dead or, like, you know, a long time ago aren't really actively performing anymore there's less of a burden yeah although i'd still be like i wouldn't want to buy something from them and directly support them yeah you know, yeah like buy, buy stuff second hand or you know um, I, I don't really care i normally care about this to a degree but i don't really care about you illegally downloading someone's music if they're a massive shithead and i don't know if that's a completely stupid position to take but i don't really care because i don't want any money to go to these people yeah, yeah, I, I think that's that's quite reasonable, and this is probably a reasonable point to segue into. Like, so we we've been talking a lot about the kind of people who have got caught actually doing something that verges on like the police getting involved, that mm. kind of you know level of something like that happening. But another band I need to basically make a public apology about because I've been repping them for ages without doing the due diligence googling. So I recently discovered Despot Omega's frontman. I don't know how it's taken me this long, mm. but Despot Omega's frontman is a proper white supremacist. Like, he he has some appallingly choice quotes and a lot of involvement with very clearly NSBM bands. Mm. Now, my personal stance on this, and I know people have different, like, some people don't actually mind that kind of stuff if it's hidden enough from the music. But my personal stance is, I try not to support NSBM stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. even if it is that kind of, like, they just play in SBM festivals and all their lyrics are just weird forest poetry. Even that, I'm a bit like, I'm not interested. Even if it was completely, even if the music's completely detached from the person, I, uh, it's really hard to get over that. And I, I cannot get into supporting it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, like it's, I don't know, it's like Hitler's paintings or something. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, they might have fuck all to do with what Hitler believed and what he did, but they're still Hitler's paintings. Like, it's. I really can't get how you can listen to a band like that and not have a problem with it. Yeah, yeah. And again, it's it's a personal thing, but like particularly with how society is these days and how much traction and stuff white supremacy gets in a variety of forms, I don't see how you can just sit and accept that and yeah. accept that and just have it as part of the scene and a thing that you'll just you know listen to sometimes, even if you haven't bought it. 
Yeah, because both me and Rob had the thing with when. So I found that out about the message, Rob, and it's just like overnight we're just like, oh, we're both done with this. Yeah, it was but a real no- shame because I was enjoying the new album, and I was just like, uh, well, no, fuck this. Now that there are other bands who do this sort of thing, um, and I'll listen to them instead. Yeah, like, and this is the, the thing now though. I'm kind of like because the reason I never found it out is with Despoimiga, the other two members who are the more famous core of the band don't do interviews, no band photos for the most part. All their lyrics are like Latin mm. stuff about Satanism. I'm like, that's fine. And with this guy, I googled him once, saw he had a porno grind band, and was totally yeah. like, I'm not going to look any further. <laughs> so I just ignored him. And yeah, now I've not only on this podcast rep them, I've been on other podcasts yeah. talking about how good they are. Yeah, it turns out, yeah, <laughs> that was a mistake. And yeah. yeah, personally, I'm done with them. I could see how other people might be like, yeah, he's a shithead, but he doesn't even write any of it. But yeah. then again, the other two must associate with him. That's that's the thing, isn't it? And it's that's like a step further that you see a lot of these things, particularly on Metal Sucks, where you know people like Nurgle or something have been photographed backstage with the frontman of Graveland was the one that um, yeah. set everyone off a while ago, and a, and a whole bunch of this other stuff. And that this is like more so than that. You're in a band with this person. You must be aware on some level that they think and believe these things. And I don't really get how you can forgive that unless you're somewhat sympathetic to that point of view. Or you're at least neutral on it. And I don't get how you can be neutral on something like this. That's kind of just as wrong. I find bizarre of of, of the bands where they're they're asked to make an apology for something that that they've appeared to be promoting Nazism or or appeared to be tolerant of Nazism in, in the press. And they've... Their apology comes a lot... Isn't like... No, we're not Nazis. We don't like Nazis. We don't agree with Nazis. We don't believe. We don't have any opinions on politics, and politics has no place in our music. But surely, if you have, even if you have like no opinions on politics, you still don't like Nazis. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like being neutral on Nazis is almost an opinion on politics, just because it's it so is. unusual an opinion to have. That is a political opinion. Like being neutral on the worst fucking thing in the world is a political opinion, yeah. um, and it, you know it comes from people who aren't in a position where they would be fucked over by this. It comes from white people who are white supremacists who are in that position of privilege. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's kind of laughable when they claim that there's no politics in the stuff that they do. I I don't believe that. Like, if you choose not to take a stand, you have a reason why you're able to not take a stand on it. You know, if you were from a minority group, you don't have a choice because it affects you regardless. And the fact you're unaffected gives you the privilege to say you're apolitical. Yeah, yeah. And especially when it is uh, claims are being levelled at them because something they did sort of looked a bit political. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, no, we're just not. We just get to do that. Yeah, like, it's as, as Mel said, it's really easy to get yourself out of that, to just say, fuck Nazis. And then, like, you know, this is not... We did not mean for it to be like this. It's quite an easy explanation. Yeah. It's the weird defences that really set me on edge because I think there's anything. You, there's no way that if you're backstage at a show, you're going to necessarily know the person in the other band or know any of their views or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Like the, that sort of that particular thing of Noble getting pictured with the guy from Graveland. Mm. I could put that down to just like ignorance at the time. Yeah. That that could happen. I mean, yeah, no, you, you just, just had a few incidents where I'm like. <laughs> Getting concerned about him, but... It's like, you know, if you, if you just played a show and one of the other bands wants to take a photo of you and, you you know, you've listened to their set, like, maybe it was quite good, and just like, sure, I have a photo taken with this guy. You have, Maybe they're a local support band or something like that. I don't see how you're supposed to know, but then if that emerges, you then unequivocally, unequivocally condemn it 
Yeah. I don't see yeah. why that's so difficult. Yeah, and I, I am quite enjoying that sort of new movement of stuff coming out now where bands are quite like actively nailing their political colours to the mask. Like mm. bands who have like quite like you know quite abstract music stuff where the lyrics aren't necessarily like you know obviously bands like Napalm Death. You're like oh, okay, I know what they actually yeah. feel. <laughs> Apparently, some people don't. But, but, <laughs> but yeah, those people are like but those bands. Um, oh, what's that Gate Creeper side project? Glacial Tomb. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who, who recently they put on some gigs that were like quite actively anti Nazis and metal. Mm. Their music's got nothing political in it, but it's just good to see bands going like, actually, no, fuck these like hyper right wing bands. We don't want to be involved anymore. Yeah, I'm all for that kind of movement. It's it's that sort of thing. I think we did it on the last end of year show, which I think was um might have been 1914, who were sort of unapolog- unapologetically saying fuck Nazis, and we were really pleased about that. Yeah, and that just shows you the low bar that there is. Like that shouldn't be something which is in any way remarkable, but it's really refreshing to come across like a black metal band and to find them immediately saying that sort of thing. You're like, great, you're not Nazis, <laughs> or you don't yeah. sympathise with this sort of stuff. But, but it is a difficult thing of, like, how much do you have to Google everything you listen to? Because yeah. I, I hate, like, when I get into a new band, having to put in band name Nazi into yeah. Google just to double-check. It's I'm, quite difficult as well, because often you'll put band name Nazis into Google, and if they're, like, a German or Polish band or a black metal band, people will some will have accused the whole genre of being Nazis and brought their name up. So they will appear in the search results, and when you look into it, you won't be able to find it. Well, I'm, yeah. I, I remember Wolves in the Throne Room at one point got that levelled at them, and I can't remember what they did. Like, I think they said something strange on, like, a German interview. Uh, but, like, Wolves in the Throne Room are, like, proper, like, lefty, um, mad hippies who live mm. in the woods with, like, like on a compound with no electricity and so on. They, they're very... Like, I don't, like, I guess you could be really right-wing in that. But also, like, they talked to Ross Sewage as their bass player. Yeah. Who, who's an incredibly left-wing yeah, guy. Yeah. Like, so they definitely aren't. But there is stuff where bands get that thrown at them. And it's a very easy accusation to throw around mm. without much backup. And it's but stuff also, like... It's a very easy accusation to refute. Because if someone, someone says, are you a Nazi? You can just say, no, I'm not a Nazi and I don't like Nazis. You don't... That should be enough. If someone yeah. has... Has said, I disagree with Nazis. That should be enough to go, well, they're not a Nazi then. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I did have a, a funny incident with one band who would just accidentally... A friend sent me a link to a really old black metal song. And um, I sort of looked up and was like, wow, this band have like 13 albums starting in like the early 90s. Like, How have I never heard of this group? Mm. They're like a Polish black metal band have been going forever. And I was like, fine, going, oh, it's really interesting. I'll have to get into these guys. Hit Google image search, and the first result is their singer in like armor holding up a big runic uh, symbol with two guys in combats and black jackets, Nazi saluting on either oh side of it. God. I was like, oh no, shit, abort, abort. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> forget everything positive I said, but these guys are not for me. And it's, it's tricky as well because a lot of metal, particularly metal from places like Poland and stuff, will explore the issues of you know the Holocaust and stuff because it is, I think, as we've talked about before difficult issues like war um, and horrible tragedies are something which metal is uniquely equipped to explore because it can depict that brutality as well as the sadness in a musical form. I mean, the one that's just springing to mind is um, The Meads of Asphodel. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, explore an awful lot of really difficult topics. And, you know, to someone who's not potentially familiar with this it, you could see that in like you know alarm bells could go off immediately because you're like Ugh. well particularly a band with a, they have a song on the their, their latest album called Children of the Sun Will Banner yeah. which 
is an attack on that philosophy. But if you saw that title in isolation, I would steer very clear of exactly, that. Kind of yeah. They have been accused of being Nazis before. Yes, certainly. I, I'm almost certain they are they, not. They've refuted being Nazis. Yeah. Sure, mm. At least I'm pretty sure they have. But where, where do you guys stand, stand stuff like, um, I think it's pronounced Take, where that guy has been sort of reaping the kind of fallout of something he did years ago because he drew a big swastika on his chest and went on stage as, I believe, a kind of fuck the censors gesture. Hmm. I was fully willing to believe when I initially heard the story that he was just sort of a kid who would like no... I'm pro-free speech, I don't think any like symbols should be illegal, and that's what he was saying. It was actually his apology that made me think that he might be a Nazi. <laughs> um, again, it was very much like a... He, he, someone asked, are you a Nazi? Because it really looks like you're a Nazi because you did this thing. <laughs> and instead of being like, no, I'm not, I was making a completely different statement, he was like, I oh, no, don't think anything about politics, actually. I just have no political opinions whatsoever, and this isn't a political band, and just completely sort of skirted the question. <laughs> yeah, and and I think his apology also included the phrase, they can go suck a Muslim. Which I didn't, I didn't read that far into it actually, but but yeah, that just makes I, I might be misquoting it, but there was something <laughs> on that line where I was like, "Oh God, I'm not sure I want to like yeah. want to listen to you anymore." Because because a very similar incident, um, Eric from Wattain got in trouble years and years ago for Nazi saluting at a French festival, mm. and he did it just because it was illegal, and he wanted, and that was a like, "Oh, I'm challenging the censors." And he has since distanced himself. I mean, they fired one of their roadies because there's a photo of him came out Nazi saluting. Mm. And I think, I, my guess is it was a joke, but Wattain were quick enough to distance himself from the yeah. issue. And I think, it, it was hard to know just because, you know, I'm not sure what the political climate was like 20 years ago because I was like four years old. But I feel like things have changed recently, particularly with stuff like Trump and Brexit and Nigel Farage and all of this shit here in the UK and elsewhere. Like, the world is a more unfriendly place and there is more white nationalism going around. There are more people who are sympathetic to it and are not necessarily white nationalists or Nazis themselves, but are willing to sort of go, ah, well, you know, there's two sides to everything. Yeah. And, and I, I worry that nowadays you just shouldn't let people get away with that, where maybe it, you could have got away with it as a as making another point about censorship uh, 10 years ago or something. I just don't feel I, I it's okay. In the sense that, yeah, like 10 years ago, if someone was wearing a swastika or something, they were probably just trying to, to sort of be offensive and get a reaction out of people, and everyone would, would probably have interpreted it as, oh, that guy's just being an asshole. But... Nowadays, people are like, oh, that person is actually a Nazi and he actually like wants people to be exterminated because mm. there, we know that there are people who believe that now. I mean, perhaps they were there all along. It's just they were much less visible in the media. Mm. But you were telling me about something interesting. Uh, what artist was it you were saying, old punk singer, who toured with, they wore swastikas? I believe it was, um, now this is a sort of second-hand story I've heard, so it might not be correct, but I believe it was um, Susie Sue from Susie and the Banshees. Uh, was in a punk band, um, I think they were on tour with the Sex Pistols, and they went to France. Uh, but they were, were wearing sort of swastikas to, to be all sort of punk and edgy. Uh, because in the UK, we don't have the context of having been sort of occupied by Nazis. Mm. And we don't really know what it was like. Um, but they went to France, and they were sort of beaten up by angry locals. And she she, she said since that, don't, she, she, she feels really bad about it, because she didn't, she didn't know what that meant, that that meant something different there to what it meant in the UK at that time. 
Uh, and I think that is quite interesting because so you get like like British people going to France and Nazis religion and their response won't be like, oh yeah, fight the power. It'll be like, oh God, a racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess there's another thing as well of, um, you know, making points against censorship like is a perfectly legitimate thing for metal in particular to be doing. But is the only way you can think of to do that by Nazi saluting or by using swastikas? Like, it sort of speaks, particularly in this day and age, that that is the only method you think is appropriate for challenging censorship. There's loads of things and ways you can challenge censorship without resorting to that sort of imagery. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think people like to pick the imagery that will be most sort of disgusting and horrific to people, which is mm. why they go for that. Um, and that, that makes some sense to me, but it, it mostly makes sense... And a sort of historical, or this has been banned, and it's a historical thing that's been banned rather than it's a current sort of racial equality issue that mm. we're dealing with. Mm. I think as well, we should probably say as well, this is a kind of, I'm, I don't have the same reaction just to a ban being right wing or so on. This is, yeah. this yeah. is going out into the extreme far right. Like, for example, Bruce Dickinson's a bit of a Tory. Yeah. I'm still going to watch Iron Maiden, right? yeah. I don't bother me in the slightest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even to the extent of, I have no problem with people listening to bands like Five Finger Death Punch, which have been quite openly pro-Trump in the past. Yeah. Well, beyond the fact they're terrible. But. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, there's there's degrees of difference there. We're talking about the really extreme stuff. Yeah, like, just, this isn't just like, I don't really care which way you vote that much. That that kind of stuff's fine. It's the stuff where it, it moves into the white supremacist kind of, like, yeah. people, when people start being like, oh, I'm anti-race mixing. That yeah. is the point where I, I'm, I'm kind of done. Or even just levels of, like, extreme like, homophobia or sexism yeah. it, it, that's because yeah. there is stuff I've listened to like in the past and not really noticed the lyrics and you go back and go actually this is slightly putting me off now particularly like sort of mentioned that guy being involved in a porno grind band yeah. I'm now at the point yeah. I think I've always been slightly this way but I can't listen to porno grind just because of the overt sexism Like you think about really old Cannibal Corpse as well and there's definitely problems in there and hence why well they kicked Chris Barnes out there seemed um, and this is totally reading between the lines and might mm. well not be the case but there seemed to be a thing that they kicked Chris Barnes out over his lyric writing and they've never said what the problem was. Yeah. But it does seem with the Chris Barnes era of Cannibal Corpse, there was an overt focus on violence towards women. Exactly. Which I think the band started to get a bit worried might make them look awful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting to, to bring that up, actually, because I've heard people sort of lump Cannibal Corpse in with sexist bands. Mm. They've like, oh, they've got all this material about sexism, that makes them sexist. In the same way as you were saying, there's lots of bands that have got a lot of material about the Holocaust, and that maybe that I mean, I guess, I guess it makes them Nazis if they're talking about it favourably, but most bands aren't. And especially with death metal, where you're trying to like convey how horrifically brutal things are, it's difficult to distinguish whether someone is celebrating it, like mm. celebrating the sort of gruesome horrificness, or whether someone they're sort of doing it to condemn it. And even if they are doing it to condemn it, you often have members of the audience who will be like, yeah, stab her in the butt, or probably something worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you're not a death metal nurse as well. <laughs> well. I did think it was something worse, but I stopped myself from saying <laughs> Fair enough. Because actually on that level, like just in terms of purely the lyrical content, a band I'll never listen to and never was into is Anal Cunt. Because I feel a lot of their stuff pushes into... Uh, the realm of like actual homophobia or just like just really cheap jokes at the expense of disabled people and so on yeah. that was too much for me I remember we were having a conversation with a guy a while ago who was saying that that anal cunt song um, 
I just saw the gayest guy on earth was hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. it automatically made me judge this person yep. really negatively. I was like, you're probably not even homophobic. You've just not thought that one through. Yeah, I, I <sighs> struggle with that. You know satirical bands? Because I remember listening to uh, Steel Panther. Mm. Um, and it was sort of shown to me as like, look, this is a satire of, of sort of that, that whole sort of sexism in, in glam. Um, but it doesn't come across as satire of that because the jokes aren't about glam. They're just about sexism. They're all like, they are sexist jokes. They're just like, ha ha, a, a fat prostitute from Thailand or something. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. song. I know the song you're talking about has some particularly choice lyrics where it's like, you are just doing the racist joke. I know you're sort of parodying how some of those bands could have been racist. Well, it's it's pretty much just lampshading. It's where, you know, you, you, you do the thing and then you say, well, isn't it funny because I'm doing the thing. <laughs> you don't actually, like, deconstruct it in any way or show why it's dumb. You just do it and then you say that it's a joke. Yeah, yeah. and, and none of us have particularly experienced with Steel Panther. I'm sure they've got more no. stuff that is more intelligently written. It's just that particular song. Yeah. It felt, as Rob that, said, that very much like... That was the first song of theirs that I heard, so that's probably why I... Why yeah. I <laughs> yeah, possibly we're losing some context to that particular joke, but it, it did feel... It did feel odd. <laughs> yeah, and, and I guess there's a thing as well with the idea of the normalisation of stuff like this. You know, if it if it's okay to be a fan of some of those anal cunt songs which are, like, using homophobic language at the very least, mm. to w- at what point does it become that that is a thing that's okay for people to say and do, and at what point does that then become people are just displaying homophobic behaviour, and for someone who, you know, isn't straight, that then ends up discriminating against them because of the sort of basically just laziness in a mm. way. You just end up appropriating that sort of language and those sort of behaviours and ways of speaking, which then make the metal community horrible and unfriendly yeah. to certain and groups those, of people. Those um, sort of that language and those kind of jokes, I call it, but it's like funny, but it's only funny if you have or are aware of the sexist or homophobic beliefs in the first place, otherwise it's just baffling and doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. need to like be at least be aware of, of the tropes that are like, oh, gay people have this particular set of stra- traits and, and uh, straight people don't, in order to, to understand why the sort of distinction is funny when, when brought up. Uh, and even though that, that's, that's not particularly true, and you might, you might know and think that it's not true, if, you, if you're finding it funny, there's still like a part of your brain that's like, oh yes, no, that is true. Mm. I guess it's a tricky thing, we sort of touched on this point, but the idea of things that are just offensive for the sake of offensive, and metal has done that from the very beginning. Oh, there's a lot of that out there. And, and to what extent, because obviously like anal cunt is definitely that, it is just being offensive for the sake of being offensive. But then, you know, so is a lot of, a lot of albums I really like, like a lot of early death metal is just, it's being extreme and like offensive and in your face, like sonically and with, you know, lyrics about demons and war and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What stuff do we say is okay and what isn't? Because well, as well, like, I, I sorry to keep going back to him, but Anal comes mm. an interesting example because it clearly very much started off as this kind of almost avant-garde art project where like they were actively writing almost shit music, yeah. where everything was meant to be super offensive. But it does seem, and this could be wrong, but it does seem like Seth sort of went a bit wrong as he got older and mm. almost just morphed into this like almost parody of himself, like, really yeah. horrible, aggressive figure. Whereas, yeah, and and at what point was that an interesting challenge? And at what point does that become just nasty? Yeah, you're just living there's, out those there's things. There's different, 
I guess there are different ways of portraying offensive material as well. So a lot of I've always found the sort of death metal that's just like, well, hey, gore, isn't it really gory to be not even like offensive, just so stupid and silly. And I like not I can't get the atmosphere of it because it's just too silly. It's just good fun. Um, but then you have like an other, other albums that that sort of their atmosphere while depicting it is either isn't this this horrible in a sort of we're protesting it way or isn't this horrible in a sense that you're supposed to feel uneasy way like um voices london is about like is set is from the point of view of an, an unpleasant protagonist mm. and i've heard other people being like oh uh, well i've heard one person say that they didn't like it because they thought the band was advocating the things that the that the protagonist um was doing or, or was thinking about uh, whereas to me it very much seemed that they were like no this is a horrible person and we're going to set this from the point of view of a horrible person mm. um and yeah it, it is sometimes difficult for for people to sort of distinguish is this them just being like oh isn't isn't violence funny from isn't violence disturbing or isn't violence bad we should stop it or yeah. sexism or homophobia or whatever mm. the sort of particularly offensive subject matter is but i guess there's that distinction there of talking about violence as a, you know, about oh, about war or something, or, like, over-the-top gore, which I think to a lot of people like us who've listened to loads of death metal is just like, yeah, okay, they're singing about gore. Like, that's that's actually almost silly at this point. Yeah. If you don't listen to death metal, that's a very different subject yeah. area because you never come across music that deals with that sort of thing. Yeah. But then, it's I guess it's the idea of discriminating against particular groups. If you're just singing about violence and gore in a very generalised way... Um, it doesn't necessarily discriminate. Although then you can come into the point where if you're singing about violence and gore, particularly targeting women, then you are discriminating. You know, if you're singing stuff about using homophobic language, you are discriminating against a particular group. Whereas if you're talking about more people being horrible cunts to each other in general, without targeting specific groups of people, I have way less of a problem with that. And I guess it is less shocking and less extreme to do that in a way. You can inadvertently target people by by sort of, not necessarily promoting violence, but there's a sort of death metal meets certain certain sort of areas of punk kind of feel to the music, which is like very, not necessarily pro-violence, but it's very sort of dude bro macho-y. And gigs for, like going to say a live gig, um, and obviously people can't see me, but I'm a very small woman with um, sort of uh, joint disabilities. So if I go to a gig and people are like running around and pushing and jumping and stuff, um, I will probably fall over. And I find that sort of black metal and doom gigs, um, actually, uh, like a, a lot of more progressive metal gigs, they're great. Like you can, you know, stand in the back, and you know, every, everyone has a great time in the pit, and obviously that that's fine because the pit's consensual. Um, but there are a lot of these sort of like very macho dude broy bands where their fans will just sort of latch onto that kind of idea, and they will try to like like hit out at people who aren't wanting to be involved in that. Mm. The concept of crowd killing, which I oh, discovered yeah. recently. <laughs> That idea of just like if people aren't in the pit, go swipe their drink out of the hand, and yeah, that that kind of idea. Because yeah, I'm all for mosh pits. I think they they're great fun, and they're they're a good way to sort of give energy back to a to a live band. But making there be some space for those people who want to stand at the back, like yeah, you know, e- even sort of bigger guys who may have just got like back problems and stuff. Yeah. Like, or, or sometimes you know, you'll go to a show and you just don't feel like being in the pit for whatever reason. Like, I don't know, it, it could be as simple as like you've stubbed your toe or something, or maybe you're just not feeling it today. And yeah, that's fine. I've know? heard people say as well, like, well, I don't think we need to make sort of shows 
more inclusive or be, be like more aware of, of sort of older or disabled people or women uh, because they're not at the shows like perhaps forgetting the fact that that's why they're not at the that's shows. a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy like, yeah like, if, if i think a show's going to be like that i possibly just won't go to it especially mm. if, like my, my joints are feeling worse or something yeah, I think we're kind of getting a, a little bit off topic here, but the it's kind of the one thing I did want to bring up before before we sort of ran this one out is how do you stand on and the particular scene that's worth talking about is that first wave of Norwegian black metal mm. is that particular sticking around of everyone's got a different sort of take on that. How do you where do you stand on those bands like say Burzum, Mayhem, and particularly like Emperor that like little group in the centre of it who have some very shitty events and really bad quotes tied to them from that time period. Uh, I think they were children. Um, and, I mean, I've always liked Emperor. I've never actually got into Mayhem or Burzum, probably because I knew about what had happened before I before I mm. would have had the chance to get into them. Um, I guess with Emperor, I've never really seen it as a particular issue, just because I know that Ishan write most of the music. But say that first album, so Faust the drummer stabbed a man to death in the woods. Um, that first album, his drum performance definitely adds an element to it. Um, mm. Personally, I do actually prefer the trim, the drummer who came in after him. But like Faust is a big part of that first album. And we've seen Emperor live with Faust performing. With I've, I've read an inter- I've only read one interview with, with, with Faust where he appears to be... I guess remorseful is probably crediting him with too much, but he he sort of, when asked about it, he said he doesn't believe in the things that he believed at the time, and he feels like regret for the things he did. I don't know if he, he seems to not be be unable to talk to it, talk about it particularly clearly, possibly because of mental health problems or something like that. But he, and and again, like he he's been to prison, he served his time in prison, and he's been released, and he hasn't, as far as we know, done anything since. So I guess it's like, how much faith do you have in the criminal justice system's ability to rehabilitate people? And, and is, he, yeah. is, he, is he okay now? Do we give him a second chance? Or do we focus on bands mm. and everything like that in the first place? Because that's another thing of like, I will still, like I can still watch Faust live and I can still listen to that album because he's gone through the prison system. And part of me is like, yeah, that might be bollocks. It might, like that punishment might have been too light for him. But I've got to have some faith in in, in like, like for my own sanity that 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 there is a method of rehabilitation yeah that th- there is a way back from stuff like that and that you know he has had that that rehabilitation and that punishment in a sense has happened but i also would have no issue with someone being like i will never listen to emperor because of his involvement in it and yeah. i won't see faust live because he is a murderer like when we saw them live it was headlining bloodstock and the band on before them was carcass and jeff walker was quite actively making a stance about like it's ironic you're letting that guy play at this festival when you have a stage dedicated to someone who was murdered. Yeah. And, like, and the thing is, I, I like Temper and Whilst I didn't have an issue... Well, I, I say I didn't have an issue. I, I didn't have a strong enough issue to not watch them. I completely agreed with his right to have his po- point. And yeah. honestly, I, I think maybe Bloodstock shouldn't have let them headline. Because if you're taking a stance against sort of murder and, and sort of hate crime and things, you can't then be seen to have any tolerance for it whatsoever. Yeah. Mm. It's a weird one. Like, I, mean, fast... I, I really love that gig, but I do, think perhaps, like, I, don't, I do think perhaps it shouldn't have been put on. Yeah, it, Faust is one I've not really worked my feelings out on. Because like, with Burzum, I think Rob's definitely with me on this. Of like, 
I just can't get past who Varg is, and I've never been able to get into them because yeah. he's and Varg so. Varg is still definitely that person. <laughs> and he's still out there claiming he wants no attention while posting shit tons of videos on his YouTube channel and like outwardly advocating for all sorts of horrendous shit and making terrible role playing games about being white, <laughs> um, which is a thing he spends his time doing. Uh, I read a review of it and it just tore it to pieces. It's great, uh, but you know, like he's still very much out there and he's still you know releases music but I guess he's an interesting one because he too has gone through the prison system yeah um, he's very like he, he got out of it and still appears to be the sort of person with the unpleasant beliefs he was when he went in whereas yeah. from what I can tell from the little Faust has talked about it he doesn't seem to be that person anymore I suppose there's a thing like even if we pretend even if you know we only have like the second half of Varg if he'd only just become a musician and only yeah. just started doing this stuff I'd still think he was terrible and probably yeah. wouldn't listen to anything because of all the shit he talks about like the, all the stuff he outwardly advocates for yeah. I'm just yeah not interested which is a shame because I do quite like a couple of the early Bozum albums um, although they Nick completely steal a Bathory riff so I now just <laughs> listen to the Bathory version War by Bozum is a complete rip off of a Bathory riff from the first album it's identical really um, and there's an interview with Varg where he talks about it I think it's Sacrifice from the first Bathory album and he says it was like a sort of homage to Bathory it's like no you've just nicked the riff but the nice thing and I, I sort of take some perverse pleasure in this is um, Bozum re-recorded some of the old songs relatively recently um, and Varg said this was like his true vision for the songs and they sound like shit. The old ones <laughs> sound so much better. So I like to think, you know, his true vision for all this music it actually makes it sound way worse. It's just an accident that it happened to be good at mm. any point. Well, I guess with all that, the one we're skirting around is the classic Mayhem album, mm. Don Mystery. Where Do you still listen to that? Because I, I think I'm still behind that one, weirdly. Yeah. Like, it, I guess as well, because with that album, it's so much like Euronymous's vision. And much as Euronymous probably was a bit of an arsehole, Euronymous was just like a team gone exactly. mad. Yeah. And he's now dead. Yeah. The, the only the only kind of downside I find with... like I'm still not sure about Hellhammer. Like He said some sort of yeah. sketchy stuff in the media. He's a bit of an enigma, and it's such a shame because he's in so many good things. He's a very with, good drummer. With people who seem quite cool, although you don't know that much about them, like, you know, in Arcturus, with people like Garm and stuff like that, who, I don't know, I just have an image in my head of them being probably quite cool, but... Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, it, it's a difficult one. And, and and again, with that whole scene, I could see people wanting to distance themselves from it. One I wanted to get to as well, because I've plugged this band a lot, and I've, I think I'm totally cool with them, but I can see why people would worry. So, you know, Alcest, both mm. Niege and Winterhalter, the, the two members of Alcest, were involved in the very first Pest Noir demo, Aryan Supremacy. Oh, Jesus. I, read, I found an interview, it's entirely in German, so this is. I, I read someone's translation of it, which might have altered it, uh, its meaning somewhat, but he was interviewed about this fairly recently, I believe, and uh, this is Niege from Alcest, and he said. Um, he considered he was I think thirteen or fifteen. Yeah, he's very um, young. He he considered himself to be a session musician, and he didn't really pay any attention to anything about the album other than the, the parts he was doing. Um, but he said that he doesn't agree with those political views. He doesn't like ideologies of hatred, and he doesn't subscribe to to Nazism or white supremacy, which is as easy as it is. Like the, I don't understand why more bands don't just say yeah. 
I did this thing, I don't believe in any of that stuff, um, and I'm not a Nazi, and I don't like Nazis. Yeah, which for me was enough, because he was so young and involved in that project, Like mm. it was enough distancing that personally I'm like, okay, I sort of trust you're, you're on the level. Because yeah. if you've seen the latest um, Pessimar album cover, oh, wow. they are very well and truly, uh, <laughs> yeah, quite a neo-Nazi. One of them's in blackface on it. Oh my god. <laughs> it's it's incredible. I mean, but, I think they think it's a joke, but it's a joke that only works if you're racist. Yeah. <laughs> it just makes it like, yeah, you can say, oh, it's a joke, but it's a racist joke, so it's still <laughs> racist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I, again, I could totally take people being like, I don't want to listen to Alcest because of that involvement, but I do think they've at least attempted to distance themselves yeah. from that band. I guess there's another thing we sort of when we talk about mayhem as well is um and we mentioned it a little bit is the idea of mental health um particularly reading a lot of the stuff about particularly dead in mayhem mm. like it seems to me that he was quite clearly someone who was you know mentally ill and was really struggling with the world and couldn't really find a way to make sense of it was in a really difficult position and a lot of the things that happened are you know exacerbated by those mental health conditions so i think mm. in those cases you and cut people a little bit of slack because they're often in a position where they have a you know significant challenge and they do not have any infrastructure or treatment to help them deal yeah. with it. And you know we can't blame people for that. That's not their fault. Yeah. Um, of certainly other people like Varg, you know, I don't really buy that any of that's to do with significant mental illness. But certainly with some people, you can say, look, there are other factors here which are influencing their behaviour. And I think there does definitely seem to be something with that that black metal scene that there was a game of who can one-up the more evil thing yeah. being played by a load of people between the ages of, like, 15 and 18. It's yeah. like, I could see people doing stuff they'd later vastly regret. Mm. We'll sadly never know with a lot of those people what they would have been like as they got older. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like... And also, I think as well with Dead, he never really did anything all no, that bad. No. Like, one of the weirdest quote things I heard about him recently was he sent um, Quorthorn a crucified gerbil in the mail uh, <laughs> and wrote a letter calling him a glam rock poser. <laughs> which, which personally, I'm like, that's just quite funny. As much as I love, uh, I love Bathory, that's still really it's amusing. Kind of funny. And black metal as fuck. <laughs> but yeah, it's, so they're, they are a difficult one for me and I still kind of haven't totally worked out my feelings. People like Ishan I like because he has totally condemned and said, mm. like, I was an idiot back then. Like, I, I was wrong about what I was saying. Ishan's uh, gone on, I, I watched an interview with him where he, he was sort of talking about um, right, right-winged groups and black metal and he was saying, as a musician sort of touring the world and meeting people from everywhere, you realise that we're all the same wherever you go and it, he, he couldn't understand how anyone who had done that could still have those beliefs. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. So actually one more I, I do want to touch on just because it, it's sort of, it's interesting related is Dissection or another band like, I, I definitely venerate them for their, their influence and so yeah. on. But there's no question, like, that guy was involved in a pretty horrendous incident. But I've kind of... With Dissection, I don't... Because he's dead and no longer performing, there's no... Dissection legacy stopped with him. That was the Mm. end of it. I don't really mind buying their albums and stuff. Like, it seems... Yeah, I think there's a sort of compartmentalisation that happens. Just like earlier, we were talking about people who are long dead or, like, not performing and Mm. just, like, pretty much gone from any active music scene. There's an emotional distance you get at that point, and I don't know if that's necessarily good. No, or bad. No. I, I, I don't know. But 
it certainly happens, you know, I can think of loads of bands who, you know, for whatever reason, they're not active anymore. And I don't really have a problem, you know, if I was to find out something horrible about them, be like, that's terrible. You know, it might put you off for a little bit, but then it would be quite easy to get back into it. You don't feel like you're directly supporting anyone who's doing anything terrible. Yeah, and I guess you are right. It is essentially compartmentalising. Like, I'm definitely a hypocrite on this because there's definitely bands I've written off for doing stuff I've perfectly accepted from other people. There's a lot of bands out there that have had a similar incident to the Vector one, Mm. but it's just not blown up in the media in the same way, and people seem to sort of shrug those off. Something I find that it sort of influences whether I'll be, how much I'll be willing to write a band off. And it, it's weird because it has nothing to do with what the person did at all, is how unique the material they made was. Because with if, if you've got a sort of fairly decent black metal band and they're, oh, they're Nazis, that's fine. Ignore them. You can find another band that's doing something fairly similar who aren't Nazis. I don't know anyone who's doing anything like what Vector is doing or mm. was doing. Yeah, it's that thing of because you really loved it. Yeah, you well, kind of want to find a substitute that isn't made yeah. by assholes. Yeah, yeah, which which is then a tricky thing because it's sort of does the quality of music negate the actions that the people have taken? Well, no, but at the same time, as you say, if you're you listen to one band, you're not you can... really supporting them unless no. you're actually there supporting them. No. Yeah, yeah. Don't have any answers. <laughs> no, I think I, I knew this was going to go this way. Essentially, we don't have any answers, and I think we're going to draw a lot of lines that are slightly hypocritical with this. Yeah, but. I'll try my best to, to research a band. Like, certainly, at least in future, try and catch myself before I start getting into really nasty guys. But mm. there's not much of a way around that. And and again, I'm not really... I don't have really any judgments of people whose line is different with this. Like, I could fully understand someone being like, no, I'm fine with Vector. I just I just won't think about that kind of... Yeah. That yeah. bit of it. Because I, 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 I still think, like, every time it pops into my head, I'm like, no, this is really incredible. And... What someone did, that, like something that I found out about a person, should, shouldn't really affect how I perceive something because it hasn't changed. Mm. But obviously my perception of the people who were doing it has changed. Mm. It, it's, it seems really, really strange to me that the, the sort of the content of, of something that you appreciate can be changed without the content of it changing because of, of things you know about the people who made it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, also, we did focus on a few more specific incidents than I was uh, planning to, but I think a few of those are so in the kind of metal consciousness, yeah. they they would be a bit of an elephant in the room if we didn't actually discuss them. But yeah, with that, like, get in touch, let us know your thoughts on this, let us know if there's any bands I've been repping that I shouldn't have, <laughs> there's quite possibly others. Um, but yeah, so, hit, hit us up online, um, give some reviews on iTunes as well because we're going to need something to drown out all the one stars following this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you, if you want to get in touch and let us know what you think about this kind of thing, uh, Phil's Breakfast Metal on Facebook, at Breakfast Metal on Twitter, or Phil's Breakfast Metal at gmail.com. Yeah, get in touch and let us know where your personal line in this, this stuff is. I don't think we actually managed to get towards any answers because realistically, there's not any obvious calls on a lot of this stuff. It wouldn't be unreasonable to do the extreme and just, as soon as you hear something negative, totally distance yourself from the bands. But it is hard to move away from art you really love.